Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now we continue our series of inspiring stories of hope with a very courageous woman. Alyssa McPherson was a happy wife and mother of two when she felt God wanted something else from her. She was to adopt an Asian girl. After years of filling out forms and attending seminars, they adopted Dan Ying from a Chinese orphanage. But it wasn't all happy families. After years of fear and abandonment in her past, Dan Ying struggled to settle into her new home. But after years of patience, attention and understanding, progress has been made. Alyssa says God was always present and ever loving. Alyssa, welcome to Open House. Thank you. It's great to have you with us. Love is a red thread is the title of your story. Mm. Why red, Alyssa? Red has a very strong meaning to the Chinese. Red is the colour of strength. Um, And when you're in China, you'll often see the children wearing bracelets made out of red thread with pieces of jade attached. And in fact, some of the children, when they're abandoned as babies, are actually wearing these red threads with the jade pieces. It also had a connection for me in that red is the colour of the blood of Jesus. It was the colour that Rahab used to indicate where she was to the, in, during the, the Battle of Jericho. Um, it has beautiful meaning throughout. And uh, I guess even culture, we associate red with love. So I'm a very visual person and think that way. And um, it's an easy way to communicate with children as well. When you talk about strength, are you talking mm-hmm. about your own strength or the strength of Dan Ying or... Maybe both, I guess. Maybe both. Her, her name, Dan Ying, the first part, Dan, actually means red, but not the colour red, but uh, red as a characteristic to the Chinese that is strength. And she certainly is a very strong little girl, and um, that has caused me to discover a strength within myself that I never knew I had. I guess it comes from God. Um, it's a supernatural strength. You wouldn't be the first person to have this kind of concept, but you mm. have thought that God has really been sketching a dot-to-dot picture of your life without you realising it. Yes, it's looking back, um, often uh, that moment uh, where I had a vision that I would adopt a child while I was at church, you could think it boiled down to that one moment of encounter with God. But when you look back, I'd realise he had been putting uh, different passions in my life right from when I was very little that would lead up to that moment, what I call the dots. So there was little dots of when I was a little girl, I loved having a blankie. Uh, I was a high-maintenance girl from the beginning, though. It couldn't be flannelette. It had to be silk. <laughs> uh, right up to a favourite fairy tale, The Emperor the Nightingale, which is set in ancient China. And it was about an emperor who becomes captivated by a little singing bird, uh, right up to experiences I had through my teen years and young adult years. Can you tell us about the significance of the Mulan doll dressed in pink satin? Yes, yes. Uh, when I was pregnant with our second child, we had decided to find out the gender of that baby and went for an ultrasound. On the way to the ultrasound, we stopped off at a large shopping centre here in, where, we, where we were in Brisbane and they had a Disney shop at the time. The video Mulan about a Chinese warrior girl had just been released and in the window was a Mulan doll, a soft doll, and she was dressed in silk and satin, of course, in red and pink, and she had that beautiful tiny black hair pulled up and gorgeous cat-like eyes, and I looked at that doll and I had to have the doll. 
My husband suggested we be sensible and find out if I was having a girl or a boy first, and I didn't want to be sensible. I wanted the doll. <laughs> so uh, he didn't argue with his very hormonally charged pregnant wife. We bought the doll. Uh, the ultrasound revealed we were, in fact, having a boy. And while we're quite comfortable with boys having dolls, this particular boy did come out uh, instantly loving trucks and uh, <laughs> and um, later Terminator movies, that sort of thing. So he really wasn't a doll kid. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'll fast forward two sons. Yep. And a lady comes to your church to talk about abandoned baby girls in Mm. India. Your Mm. response? My response was overwhelming. Uh, It was deeply emotional, as you can imagine anyone's emotional when you hear about the abandoned babies of China. But it was much deeper than that. uh, The best I can describe it is a tornado within my head, a tornado of emotions of compassion and outrage and grief. And it was like that tornado exploded within my heart to form a picture of me holding an Asian baby. It's worth asking, Mm. why are they abandoned? How are they abandoned? Oh, it's so tragic. I don't speak specifically about my daughter's story, but I do talk in general broad terms about what's happening in China. The main thrust behind the abandonment of children in China is the one-child policy. That was introduced in 1979 to control population. But this is a policy it couldn't cope with the fact that there was a cultural preference for uh, boys over girls. So often if a baby girl is born first, they are abandoned. Um, Secondly, if they're born second, that family can be heavily fined to the point of it forces uh, that family into poverty. So they will often abandon these children or often they are even killed at birth. Um, when the mother would love to see the child survive, they may place them in what's called the finding place in the adoptive community. And that's in a place where they know the baby will be found, uh, like at government buildings, police stations, railway stations, factories, places like that. And often orphanages will actually go around to the most common finding places and find these babies and bring them back. I'm sure you were, as I'm sure many people are, hearing what you're saying mm. was struck by such a sense of disbelief that something could happen like that. It, it is incredible. And many people believe now because China has economically gone on to develop that this is less of a problem. It would seem that that's not true. Uh, it would seem from what people are saying from the underground church that this is still going on, that being uh, covered up a bit. I, I believe the country, saving face is a very important Asian uh, part of their personality and they're becoming embarrassed by the number of babies going into the West. So it's getting harder to adopt from China, but the, the issue is it's still going on. And of course, forced abortions are still going on. So that's where your adoption journey started? Yes, it started with that day in church at a very personal encounter with Jesus. Um, And then we prayed about it for quite a while and then started all the government work. Um, And it's it's a long journey adoption. It's only for the persistent and the patient, that's for sure. Can you describe to me in words that encounter with Jesus? How was that relevant with this? I guess when I was first overwhelmed by the story about the babies of India and China, um, I closed my eyes and I had that vision. By then I was really freaking out. So I decided to read my Bible while I was in church. It's a good way to think about something but still look like you're participating. Um, And I turned to that page. I don't Bible verse dip, but on this particular day I did open to a page where Jesus said, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. And that struck me that by welcoming a child into my life, I'm welcoming Jesus into my life in a very tangible and physical way. That's a very powerful moment, I'm sure. 
It was, it was. <laughs> it was a very overwhelming and I actually kept it a lot to myself until I got home from church just to process what was going on. What convinced you that adoption was the right thing to do because there'd be other options you could have followed. Yes, there was. And we, my husband and I always had a passion for uh, orphanage programs and we'd have travelled in Asia and um, had gone on to support groups like World Vision and uh, other church groups. Uh, it was interesting because I had friends who have adopted from overseas and suggested it to me and I said, no, that wasn't for me. But God made it very clear in that moment that adoption was the path he wanted us to take. Um, for, for us, it would be a lifelong commitment in one way I thought that would be the end of our way we contribute but of course it's only shown to be the very beginning of how we would contribute um, and your daughter's not a project she's your daughter yes. <laughs> so you do things much beyond So that. how long was it that you had to exercise this persistence and patience? Yeah about four and a half years wow. which is actually quite a quick adoption uh, most adoptions from China at the moment are taking closer to seven or eight years if not longer so you jump on a plane mm. after that four and a half years, you go to China, mm -hmm. where and tell us what happened then. Well, we first went to her birth city, which is in the south of China. It's not a large city and there are very few Westerners. Uh, there's no real tourism in that city, just a little bit of business. We went to that city um, and... Within the next day, we were sitting in a government office with our two sons and seven other Australian families. Um, an official gave a speech to us, but we none of us listened because we knew behind the partition in this office were the carers and all our children. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. How old were your sons at the time? They were five and eight. How did they feel about it? Well, part of the process for adopting means a social worker had talked to them about how they felt about it, and we had talked to them extensively. They were very excited about our new sister, um, but of course it's, it, it's very hard to explain the reality of that. Uh, but she was very accepting probably of them first out of everyone in the family. Children do have this ability to communicate despite language differences through the language of play, so she was quite quick to um, want to hold hands and play with them. Yes. On Open House, we're with Alyssa. McPherson, one of the inspiring stories of hope in our Open House series. So take us to that moment. The little speech from mm. the Chinese official is over mm. and the petition is drawn back. Yes, I'd actually seen her walk past the doorway, so I knew she was there, and by that moment I burst into tears straight away, so that's on the video. I made myself calm down to listen um, so I wouldn't scare her. She was brought over to us. She was quite intrigued by our white skin and our round eyes and the funny noises we were making. She stuck quite close to her carers, and they introduced her to us in Chinese, so there was a lot of playing charades, international charades. They distracted her with the biscuit, and while she was sharing it with us, and she wasn't looking, they ran out of the room and then she was our daughter within five minutes. How old was she then? She was nearly two. Had you ever seen a photo of her before? We had a couple of photos of her, mostly when she was younger and we had some physical information about her, a medical record, um, but that was kind of it, yeah. And your emotions, your sense of connection with her, mm. how did that unfold? It was I thought most about was her birth mother interestingly enough um, and I continued to think about her that evening I was incredibly grateful to this woman um, that she would be willing to let us have her child um, and raise her we're always mindful that our daughter has two mothers. She has me and she has a mother in China and she's a significant woman. I guess I was overcome by Grace and, in fact, I nickname her Grace. 
um, for a woman who was put in a very difficult position and had to make difficult choices that I don't think we can fully understand until we've been through it. So it was quite interesting. While I was quite um, taken up with the with the duties of caring for a little child and getting too used to changing nappies and what kind of bottle and milk she liked, it was interesting. A lot of my thoughts actually went to her mother and to how Jesus was involved in this sort of triangle of relationship even though we hadn't met. How much do you know about the circumstances of her mum? Again, we don't generally talk about um, our daughter's specific circumstances. That's really her story to tell. But generally speaking across China, not much is known. It's illegal for parents to abandon or take their children to an orphanage. So usually it has to be done um, uh, anonymously, uh, which can lead to the fact that not much information will be left about the children. And Jesus' part in it mm. was that that verse in Mark, anyone mm. who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. Mm. One of the Psalms talks about when our mother and father abandon us, Jesus holds us near. So we'd relied on a lot of verses even before we met her. We knew that she'd been fearfully and wonderfully made by him, that he had written all the days of her life, that he cares for the orphans. So we knew, we're very confident that Jesus had been parenting for us um, until we got to that place where we could physically parent for him. So he was a tangible part of that and still is. Were there obvious differences that you noticed between the children living under those kind of circumstances in China and children in Australia? What were the differences? Not necessarily initially, although often when you see the photos of these children, there's a an emptiness to their eyes, not to be uh, to make it sort of a hallmark moment, but there is sort of often in their eyes something missing, um, beyond even a sadness, more an emptiness, and you often see that in the children. Otherwise, often these children at first will appear to fit in because they're scared, they want to fit in and not appear to be different, so it can take a little while to realise that not everything is going right underneath. So you bring her to Australia at two. Mm. How easy or difficult was that process? Very difficult. (laughs) She had never really experienced life within a home, Uh, life with someone consistent caring, not a staff turnover every eight hours. Uh, She had to learn English, which she did extremely well. Um, And of course, Sesame Street and Play School were great help there. Um, Little things like uh, the powdered milk in Australia was very different from Chinese powdered milk for babies. So things like that were difficult. She wasn't keen on uh, Australian food. She much preferred having noodles and rice for nearly every meal. So we became very cross-cultural, which we're happy to do, but probably a little more than we initially thought. Uh, we also bought back children's DVDs and music we bought in the markets there for her to listen to so she could hear Chinese every day as well as English. I'm sure it was a challenging thing to move through, that it wasn't just mm. quite so easy as you would have imagined, especially no. with such an act of generosity. Mm. It was not easy at all. Um, her behaviours became very challenging. Um, and despite the fact that the state government had helped us through the kind of issues that may come up, there was still really not a lot known. We tended to only know the extreme situations, which she didn't fit into. So one of the problems we really encountered was a lack of information. Uh, there just a lot, wasn't a lot out there. I think initially uh, when we cottoned on to the problems, interesting enough through a radio show, a Christian radio show about adoption from America, and my husband was driving at the time and pulled over and couldn't 
believe what he was hearing. They were describing our child. And that gave us something to Google. At that time, there were you know, just a few websites about it. since gone on to develop, but lack of information was a big problem. And I guess God provided the right people at key times for us. Yes, you powerfully felt led into this by God. But what were mm. you saying to God during those challenging times? <laughs> What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> I got pretty angry. This isn't the plan. I had bigger tantrums than my daughter, I think. Mm. Um, look, <laughs> I have a really honest relationship with God. At least that's what I try Good. to try yeah. to do. Sure. Um, and so, honestly, I was very angry at times. I was pretty sure he got the wrong address. Um, I really wondered what he was doing. At times, I felt let down. I'll be honest about that. Um, and I think that was that kind of honesty that actually brought me closer to him. I, I have a bit of a personal saying that if you wrestle with God, you have to touch him first. So, I, I, yeah, a lot of emotions with that, a lot of desperation that have led me to discover some things about myself I never knew, not particularly nice things, but things about myself that have caused me to fall on my knees in repentance very often. We're such close friends already. So what are some of those things that you found out about yourself that you could share with us? Oh, gosh. <laughs> some, honestly, some of them um, I would feel so ashamed about. I'm not even comfortable sharing with some of my close friends. I guess... Um, you learn a lot about loving when you get nothing back, uh, loving the unlovable. And not only lo- learning to love someone who gives nothing back, but someone who goes out of their way to, to hurt you. Mm. And that's a very difficult thing. And I guess it gave me new dimensions of understanding to Jesus on the cross while he lay there dying for people who loved, who insulted him and abused him and ridiculed him. I wouldn't ever claim to come close to understanding the depths of that sacrifice, but I certainly had new insights into that and what it was to choose to love in that moment and to see beyond a person's pain and into their heart and to love them. So there were definitely new dimensions of that. How long was it before things started to settle down? Look, it's a daily challenge. We're still really on that road. Um, I would say there's still a lot of issues um, we come to as she matures. We have been given the encouragement that she will improve with age and um, the constant attention we give her. So it's very hard on our timescale. Unfortunately, I have very close friends who pray for us and care for us and will encourage us and say, look, I know it's frustrating, but if you look back for a couple of years, you guys have really come ahead. Yes. How old is she now? She's nearly 10. Yeah. yeah. Will there ever be any contact with her birth mum? At this stage, this generally doesn't happen in China, but I guess one of my dreams, I would love to see that happen. I'm not at all scared of meeting her birth mother um, because it's really not about me. It's about my daughter um, and her mum. So I'm really hoping in the future as things change in China, perhaps there'll be opportunities for blood tests or connections between um, many of these mothers and many of these children. So, you know, nothing's impossible with God. Give it time, give it science, and hopefully it will happen. If not, certainly every night we pray that we will meet her parents in heaven, that um, they've become part of the underground church as our prayer, and the many wonderful people over there spreading the gospel. And we just pray constantly for that to come into their lives. How do you feel about her, Mum? Look, I love her. I, I say I love this woman I've never met. I guess I feel I know parts of her. I see her face in my daughter. I hear her voice and some of her mannerisms in my daughter and her birth father. There's also a dad in this equation. I guess I relate more to mum being a mum myself. Um, But, yeah, I I love her very much. I can't imagine the journey she must have to walk, wondering where her daughter is, what she looks like, what's happening to her. So, yeah, a great deal of uh, empathy, best I can. I'm sure you'd say it's all been worth it. 
absolutely and constantly worth it. She constantly blesses us, yeah. Alyssa McPherson, thank you so much for joining us on Open House. It's been a treat to talk to you. Thank you. My pleasure. I wish you all the best. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.